So uh, let's get our Bibles out and wave them around, lift them up like we do around here, and make Jesus glad, the devil mad. Say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm so glad for Wednesday night. The timing is just right for me to receive what you have for me. The Word and the Spirit are going out, and I'm receiving what I need tonight to bring me into a higher place and a greater place in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look a couple of places. First of all, Acts chapter 13, and then we've got a couple of verses in Matthew 20 and Matthew 22. And uh, Acts 13, verse 1, now there were in the church that was at Antioch, uh, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul or Paul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Uh, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. All right, and then we'll look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 16. Jesus made this statement twice in uh, the book of Matthew where he says, many are called and few are chosen. So the first time he said it, Matthew 20, 16. So the last shall be first and the first last, for many be called and few chosen. All right, and then he said it again in Matthew 22, 14. And he said there, many are called, few are chosen. So... <clears throat> That's what I wanted to, to share with you uh, tonight, a message entitled, From Called to Chosen. Many are called. Jesus said many are called, but few, few are chosen. Jesus said that. God is preparing for the greatest harvest ever. Uh, you know, throughout history, God has been faithful to supply the church, the gifting and the ministries needed, and he's not going to be... Uh, any different this time. We see a lot of dysfunction. We see a lot of terrible stuff going on. And it seems like the church is still asleep. But let me tell you something. The church is going to wake up and God is going to have his ministries in place for the end time harvest. God's the greatest farmer that ever lived. It's on him. And he is the Lord of the harvest. And so he's in charge of calling and, uh, and choosing or what I'd like to say commissioning. Somebody said, well, you know, this is talking about five-fold ministry. Well, it's, it's really talking about every believer's ministry. Every, every believer, you're called to the general believer's ministry, but of that, there's a specific gifting. There are gifts differing in the body of Christ, and every member is important. The Bible teaches us that in the book of Romans, the book of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so we have to be... Uh, ready to be set into our ministries. And we have, to, we have to make sure that we understand that there's a calling. And then there's a qualifying. And then there's a commissioning or a choosing. You know, um, I think about Isaiah 41, 15. I came across this verse not long ago. 
uh, God is making us a new sharp threshing instrument with teeth. That word teeth means mouths. You know, that sharp threshing instrument is a harvesting tool. See, God is making the church a massive harvesting tool. Uh, un, uh, really, it's unmatched in, in the church's history of the kind of harvest that we're going to have. It's going to be a massive, it's going to be massive in size and accelerated in timing. And so uh, many callings are being revealed and they're being renewed. Some callings have, have been forgotten or they've been given up on. You know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You know, God called me when I was four years old and I buried it. I mentioned this Sunday. I buried it. I, I, I disobeyed. I, I ran the other way because as a Catholic boy, when I got the call, I thought it meant priest. And then when I discovered girls and specifically Gladys, well, then I decided there's no way, you know. <laughs> but God had a plan and he is going to reveal his callings. He's going to renew his callings. And there are fresh impartations and assignments going out all the time. Many, Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen or commissioned. So when we go back to Matthew 20, 16, when he said it, he said, the first shall be last, the last first, many are called, few are chosen. He was talking about the attitude. He told a, a parable about a person who hired some people to go and work in his field early in the morning. They got there at nine o'clock six o'clock in the morning, I should say. And he, they agreed for a certain wage. And then all, every couple of hours during the day, he hired some more. And at the end of the day, the ones that had just been working one hour got the same pay that everybody else agreed to, to mark the whole day. And so some of the people were not happy about that. And so Jesus is speaking. He said, you know, uh, so the man says, well, isn't it my money? Can't I do with my money what I, I, told, I gave you what you agreed to? What's, what's the beef? <laughs> Where's the problem? And, and then he said, and then he added to it, many are called and few are chosen. Why? Because of their attitude, a lack of attitude, a, a lack of, of uh, humility, of being covetous, and so forth. Lazy, if you, if you will. Um. And then the last one is about a wedding uh, celebration. And uh, there was a person there that was, did not have wedding garments on. And uh, this is a parable. And Jesus said, you know, they, what, what are you doing here? You're not dressed properly. Throw him out into outer darkness. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come into my wedding and so what you had there, for many are called, few are chosen. And that was because of poor preparation. They, they didn't prepare themselves. They didn't have on the righteous, the righteous robes. A wedding garment is white, and it, it, and it represents God's righteousness, which means obedience. It means preparation. And so Ephesians chapter 4 uh, Let's go there. Ephesians 4 is worth getting our in front of us and talking about from called to chosen. And uh, again, I just want to remind you, these last, these end days are going to be busy days and God is positioning people for the end time harvest. 
uh, verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and, uh, and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So here we see that, that Jesus uh, is encouraging people to walk worthy. You see, you have to be, you have to be walk worthy of the calling. And, uh, you know, if you'll go on with God and, and stay in the Spirit and stay renewing your mind to the Word of God and uh, all the things we were talking about on Sunday, the marks of a spiritual matur maturity, uh, and, you, and you do those things faithfully, uh, you're going to know what specific thing God is calling you to do, and then you'll obey that. doesn't matter whether you're a preacher. It doesn't matter that if you don't have a pulpit to stand. I'm not even talking about that kind of ministry. I'm talking about the believer's ministry. It's just as important. And uh, so here in Acts, where we read about Paul and Barnabas, they were commissioned, they were sent out, See, they were chosen for the work that they had been previously called to. See, you have the calling. And then people don't know, but there's, there's, a, there's a qualification process that everybody has to go through. I don't care what, who you are. You, you, you might have the call, but the call is not the same as being qualified. You, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Was I, okay, I got the call when I was four. Was I qualified? No. <laughs> I'm a kid. I'm a really a toddler. <laughs> when I understood that God was calling me. And, uh, you know, it just, it, so it's not, it's not, God doesn't look at somebody and says, oh, they're the right people. I'm going to call them. No, he calls. Uh, he calls people that at sometimes are, uh, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, he calls people that uh, in the natural may not have a whole lot to offer. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For we see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. <laughs> I think that's what he did when he called me. <laughs> he, uh, uh, the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, the base things of the world that are despised that God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, to put to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, I think about some of, uh, some of the greatest uh, men and women of God that I've ever known. Brother Osteen, I mean, he looked unlikely. He's a little, small little guy. He was uh, the smallest of his brothers, and, and he looked unlikely. He didn't look like, you know, uh, that he was a preacher, and yet God used him to touch his generation in a mass, massive way, had a worldwide ministry. It didn't have anything to do with his outward size. It had to do with his heart. And on and on and on. I think about Oral Roberts. I mean, he was dying of, of tuberculosis when God called him, and God saved him and healed him and uh, set him in a, in a ministry that was so powerful. We could go on and on. Uh, God calls and installs <laughs> unlikely prospects. And so I think one of my favorite examples of this is David. 
And uh, I'm not going to read 1 Samuel 16 through 1 through 13, but I'll just give you the reference because everything I'm going to say is written there. Uh, the, the testimony of how he was uh, called. But David, you know, titles and pedigrees, I mean, they don't mean anything. But God told, uh, you know, he told Jesse, I mean, excuse me, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, and the prophet Samuel was a fearsome looking man. He had a huge beard, lots of hair. And when he came to town, everybody hid because he was so severe and so he was something. And, uh, and he was weeping and mourning over Saul because Saul had been rejected by God. Saul, when God, and, and he said, how long will you mourn for Saul seeing I have rejected him? Fill your horn of oil and go to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have chosen uh, one among him for king. Now, he didn't tell him which one. And he was, if you go back and read it, I mean, he was kind of reluctant to go. He said, what, what am I going to do about Saul? When he hears about it, he might kill me. So he was afraid. <laughs> he was afraid of Saul. Saul was almost mentally ill at that time. He was so demonized. And so, uh, so he did. He, he said, you go tell him you're going to have a feast and, and, you know, can disguise it. Don't lie, but disguise it. And, and I'll show you what to do. And so he goes and he sees, you know, Jesse's, are you here to, for good or, <laughs> or do we need, need to hide? <laughs> you know, not in so many words, but I mean, he was afraid of him. He said, where, where are your sons? Where are your sons? And he got his eldest son, Eliab. And uh, Samuel thought to himself, surely the Lord's anointed is before me now. And he said, don't look on him. Don't look on his countenance. Don't look on his outward appearance. For I have rejected him. I have refused him. When you look up the word refused, it means I loathe him. I mean, <laughs> listen, he wasn't the one, and he was the eldest son, see? And, you know, daddy's proud of his eldest son. He's, he's a good-looking kid, you know? He's tall and big and all of that. No, God said, I've refused him. And then one by one by one, every one of them is refused. And God doesn't look on the outward. He looks on the heart. I've chosen a man uh, after my own heart. And finally, when he got to the last kid, he said, don't you have any more sons? <laughs> well, I forgot. Yeah, we've got one out there, David. But he's out, out at the back 40 watching my sheep. Well, get him. And sure enough, that was the one. See, it wasn't his pedigree. And I mean, he was not on the short list of, of likely uh, uh, replacements for Saul. I mean, he didn't look like a king. He's a kid, redheaded, little, little you know, freckle-faced little kid. 17 years old or so, and, and they, he was, listen, he looked, un, he was an unlikely prospect to be king of Israel. Traditions, outward appearances, it's just not a priority. So, uh, he poured the whole horn of oil on David. <laughs> you know, God, God called David and God, and God chose David and God anointed David way ahead of time. He didn't even wait for him to be king. He technically wasn't king, but in God's sight, he was. So, 
you know, years ago when I came across these things, I, I, I don't know if you read your Bible this way, but I had a question for the Lord. What, what did you see in David that made you select him? I mean, what, what's, what's the big deal? What, what made him qualified to be chosen? And so I have three things here tonight for you that I think are just important. It kind of goes with a message I preached Sunday morning, Marks of Spiritual Maturity. This is similar to that, only it's different. It just has to do with your personal qualities. The first one on my list is uh, that David had a heart of worship. If we're going to be placed into our, into our final end-time ministries and doing what we're really prepared to do. We don't know that we're prepared, but we are prepared. You know, David didn't see himself as prepared, but he became prepared over a period of years after this happened. He had a heart of worship. You know, Jesus told uh, the woman at the well in John 4, 23, God seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I mean, you know what? If you want to be in demand, be a worshiper because you'll be in God's. He will look for you. He is seeking you. And uh, over in 1 Samuel 16, 23, whenever David would play the harp, uh, they found out that the demon powers that were afflicting King Saul would leave him and he would get peace. That was the only way he'd have peace is when he had David there playing the harp and worshiping God. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we like to thank God. The book of Psalms is all about what God has done, praising him for what he's done. But worship, we worship him for who, who he is. It's, it's the highest form of prayer. It's, it's when we get to where we just are so taken by our Father God. And we want to worship him for who he is. A heart of worship. Uh, the second uh, quality a uh, key or mark, a heart of humility, a heart of humility. First Peter 5, 5, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace. He gives power. He gives grace to the humble. When you're humble, God can work for you. When you're proud, he resists you. And so, uh, when you read the story of David, he refused to kill Saul with his own hands, even though he had two different opportunities to do so. Twice. Now, I'm not saying God tested him, but I am saying that he passed the test. You know, if he'd have picked up and killed God's uh, man while he's still technically the king, he would have been taking everything into his own hands. That wouldn't have been humility. It would have been pride. And he could have fallen off of the, but because he was a worshiper, he just depended on God to place him in, in the right place at the right time. And he wasn't about to, to shed that blood. He wasn't going to do it. He said, God, if he has to die, then it's not going to be at my hand. In fact, he chose the cave over the crown. That was humility. He chose to be in the cave with the, with the 400 mighty men. And, uh, and he just he chose the cave over the crown. He could have had the crown earlier, but he didn't choose it. And the other thing about him is he never went to battle without God's plan. He was humble. He knew that without God's plan, he would fail. So he always waited for God to show him and tell him, number one, whether to go to battle, and number two, how to get there, how to do it. So 
the heart of worship, a heart of humility, and then finally the heart of a servant. The heart of a servant. You know, he led and fed and guarded his father's sheep for no money for a lot of years. Got no thanks. He wasn't even remembered. You know, shepherds didn't just work eight-hour shifts and go home and sleep. No, he was out there all the time. He was out there so much his father forgot about him. <laughs> Boy, what a dysfunctional family. <laughs> oh, by the way, when he killed Goliath, before he did, Eliab, the oldest brother, the one that God refused, the one that God was loath to even talk about, he was the one that mocked his brother. He mocked David. He mocked him. And what are you doing here? How come you're not watching your, your father's sheep? And uh, he made fun of him. So, uh, uh, David had a heart of, of a servant, and, and later, you know, when he chose the cave, he chose to uh, be around a captain. He became a captain. He wasn't a captain right away, but he became a captain. Over 400 men, the Bible says they were in distress, in debt, and discontented. Boy, what a group, <laughs> like herding cats. <laughs> and the Bible says over a period of time, he became, he became, he became a captain. He didn't start out a captain. They didn't start out listening to him. He's a kid. He's younger than they are. But over a period of time, he gradually won them over, and he gradually showed himself as wise. He showed himself as courageous, and he showed himself as a skilled uh, warrior. And so they started following him. And by the time, you know, not very long after that, he had, that 400 turned into 600. And, uh, and then ultimately, after 12 years, I like to say it this way. Ultimately, the Holy Ghost said, you know, separate me, uh, David, for the work whereunto I have called him. Because <laughs> the day that, that Saul died in battle, that was the day that God elevated. And it was by somebody else's hand. It wasn't his hand. Uh, that was the day that David was elevated to be king over Judah first. And then seven years later, he was king over the entire kingdom. And so he was separated uh, for the work wherein to he had already been called. He had been called and then he had to be qualified for 12 years before he was able to step in to that ministry. So from called to chosen, let's keep these things in mind. We all have a ministry. We all have an ultimate. We have the good, perfect. We have the, uh, you know, the allowable will of God, the good will of God, and the perfect will of God. Let's get into the perfect will of God in its highest in his highest uh, purpose for our lives by being uh, willing to be qualified. Amen. Let's lift our hands and receive this message. Father, we thank you that you're getting us ready for a mighty harvest in the end times. And Lord, you're looking for people of worship, uh, people that are humble and people that have a servant's heart. And uh, Lord, we, we aim to please you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.